Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. TNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details. On the record, on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. And you're listening to On The Record here on News Talk with me, Shane Beattie, in for Gavin Riley for your Sunday morning. I hope you're all well and uh, still enjoying that Irish success in London. Yesterday, we've lots on the way between now and one. We will be going live to the Polish-Ukraine border following that attack. The closest one yet to NATO territory. We'll get more on that. Also, what did the Taoiseach tell Boris Johnson in London and what will he tell Joe Biden in Washington? Gavin Riley and Sean Defoe will be telling us all about that. And do you know the history of the Irish sweepstakes? That's our slide for Hidden Histories this week. As always, we'd love to hear from you this morning. You can text us 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or you can use the hashtag on Twitter on the record NT. But first, for your Sunday morning, let's talk you through what is making the front pages. We'll begin with the business post this morning. War in Ukraine could trigger a recession in Europe. They have the views of some economists this morning on the front of the business post. Uh, their big warning about a recession possible in Europe now as the prices of gas, oil and food are soaring worldwide and they have Jeffrey Sachs who's an economist, a very well known one and former advisor to three UN Secretaries General, kind of urging Ireland to use its position on the UN Security Council seat to push for peace. Also on the front of the Business Post, we are being reassured that we can afford whatever the cost will be of taking in Ukrainian refugees and it seems that we have some money left from the Covid contingency fund, that big 4 billion euro fund that we can use uh, for the fund of money, the pot of money needed for Ukrainian refugees. The Sunday Independent has a similar theme about the economy. We're heading towards a war economy. The Taoiseach has warned with the Russian invasion of Ukraine set to drive up the cost of food and many other everyday items. Similar theme on the cost of living on the front of the Irish Mail on Sunday. Fears as pump prices could hit €3 a litre. Now, we were all panicking when it was €2 a litre. There's a prediction from independent TD Verona Murphy, who's been quite outspoken this week. Of course, she being former president of the Irish Road Haulage Association, predicting that prices at the pumps could eventually hit €3 a litre. We'll have more on that. We'll hear from Fuels Ireland shortly here on On The Record. Uh, The Sunday Times has a remarkable piece with an Irishman, 26-year-old Dean Hogan, uh, going to war. A young Irishman hitches a lift to the Polish border to join battle in Ukraine. The piece by Bo Donnelly reads like a movie. It's fascinating to read and that dominates much of the front of the Sunday Times as does an opinion poll 
which says that Fine Gael has edged back ahead of Fianna Fáil, but they're still nine points behind Sinn Féin. And Eamon Ryan is the only party leader who is up in popularity. And finally, the Sunday World, something totally different and exclusive by Nicola Talent, Mansion Fit for a Kin. We reveal the luxury home that Cab allege Jim Mansfield handed over to Daniel Kinahan there. You can read more about that on the Sunday World. So let's go through what's in the papers this morning and our panel. I'm delighted to say we're joined by Sheena Cahill, Public Affairs and Communications Manager with Goshka, the President's Award, and Philip Ryan, Political Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Shane. Good morning. Uh, so, cost of living, cost of living, cost of living really is the theme of the papers this morning, Philip, it's fair to say. It is. And when you do read about it and you think about it, you kind of have to, I don't know, take on board what's causing it too. And it's it sometimes feels a little bit insensitive that we're over here worrying about the, the price of fuel and how to drive our, our fuel guzzling cars from one destination to the next one. There's bombs going off now in Kiev and uh, and other places, or in uh, Lviv and other places, and people are losing their homes. There's families being detached from their their loved ones. There's people dying, obviously, as well. And on the both sides, soldiers being killed, young soldiers who are in their twenties for the most part, in their early twenties. And uh, yeah, but uh, we're worrying about yeah, fuel. Sheena, it is a bit <laughs> glib, isn't it, that we sit here worrying about you know something in the supermarket has gone up twenty five cent when, as Philip says, people are being bombed. Yeah, I mean there was a there was a, a striking headline uh, from CNN during the week, which was never mind the oil prices, watch out for the bread. And I mean, I suppose we're that for me, there is a very of course there's a very real impact on Irish households um, all across the country. Um, and people are afraid, they're scared, they're worried um, about um, words like recession being thrown around, uh, war economy, inflation. But Philip um, is absolutely right, I think, in that I suppose it's nearly a kind of a false equivalence to mm. to talk about these issues uh, in comparison to what is happening on the ground in a war-torn country like Ukraine, yeah. as an example. Now, there was a really interesting, it, was, it just struck me, uh, you know, Justine McCarthy, a searing, a searing article uh, in, in in the Sunday Times today in response to the fact that um, Sinn Féin's Mary Lou Macdonald had referred to um, the cost of heating our homes and driving our vehicles and, and, and how that's spoiling at the moment uh, as torture. She referred to it as torture. And, and Justine kind of says in response, torture is air raid sirens wailing in children's ears as they hug their fathers and brothers goodbye. Um and I think we do need, you're, you're right, the, the glib kind of comparison there is very, very difficult. I think we can acknowledge the difficulties mm. for households and for families right now and and ask and demand indeed that the government uh, do what they can to to sort that out and, 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 and make the, the, that impact right. less mm. difficult. That, it really is an but, excellent column though yeah. because it, it, that really is the true point of all this because we're having a lot of stuff that's happening over in the West and in Ireland and you have people clapping before football matches, changing the profile pictures on their Twitter and their Facebook and that's all lovely and very nice solidarity but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help any of these people that are going under actual torture. Not like, oh, I'm going to have to turn the heating off a little earlier than usual or, you know, maybe I might, can't make as many journeys to the shops or, or whatever I need to do. Like, that's actual torture. And I think Justine, like, recounts it here. She says, torture is learning from Twitter that the murdered family uh, photographed after being mortar bombed as they tried to flee Russian invasion are your wife and children. Torture is a warmonger pulverising paediatric ma- maternity and psychiatric hospitals. Torture is old people in wheelchairs having to cross a river in full space 
by way of a narrow wooden plank in their attempts to escape. Like that, that's the reality of what's it happening is, on the yeah, ground. But, you know? but, you know, people's lives are small and we look to yeah. our own of home course. and how we're affected by it. And there are people this mm. morning who are very worried about how they're going to be able to afford to mm. pay for things. And then we have in your own paper, uh, the Taoiseach warning, we're heading towards a war economy. What does that actually mean? What, what's he hinting at when he says this? Well, it, it looks like that it, it'd be more that the, the state takes a, a fuller or a, a more hold of the economy in a sense that it, it, you may need to focus on um I, I, I don't know the extent of it but like various things that they, that they would have to focus on whether it be uh, uh, like the putting together networks I don't know if we're going to be building munition factories or things like that but it, it's more the practical terms of how it's going to impact on us if if fuel does get to three euros um uh, for a liter to fill like the, the, something would have to change then it does have to change now because you're not going to have your your uh, the logistics supplies you're not going to have people like the hauliers just won't be able to deliver your um, your goods to supermarkets and that'll impact on food shortages there also is going to be problems around um uh grain supplies you can see from ukraine there's already um uh, measures been put in place last week where you're going to incentivize farmers to, to to grow more grain here so that'll be kind of one of the measures and it, it's that kind of all hands on deck um approach that that look Things, times aren't normal and you're going to have to change the way you look at things. So It's opening that conversation I think here more in earnest about food security. Um, like I mean obviously the, the, the word neutrality was banged around a lot this week uh, in relation to the Defence Forces and, and our position with NATO but actually I think energy and food security are conversations now I think that might really shape uh, the political party uh, conversations leading up to the next election in my opinion um, because I think there is a, there is very real impacts of when the as we saw the two euro uh, on our petrol and diesel pumps um you know that the supermarket price increases are projected to be between seven and twelve percent I mean that's the very real cost of your bread your milk your eggs all of that and for households around the country that's going to be yeah. extremely difficult how, how seriously are you both taking the the quote from Verona Murphy uh because obviously given her previous role she was directly involved mm. with Hollier's here it, it's in the front of the mail on Sunday yeah. three euro a litre at the pumps yeah I'm not sure where the exact details of that are coming from and like that's an extraordinary number like what's that going to fill your tank up you're going to be well over depends on the size of your tank I suppose but you'd be edging towards well over 100 euro for just a regular two litre car mm. I presume if not more um, more again and and that's just not sustainable for people I, I, who use their car for work yeah so. I, I mean the AA say that for a 10 cent uh, a litre it adds about 120, 150 a year onto the cost of filling yeah. up. Sheena, what was your reaction when you read the headline? Oh, I just was like, you know, what what were we doing when we sold off carb gas, Ashley? Um, <laughs> I, I think there's a real... I, I mean, I say that, you know, uh, flippantly, but like that is the conversation we now need to have is looking at the, the territory that is a part of uh, the Republic of Ireland uh, offshore, uh, both for wind farms and ar- around carb gas. I think we need to look at what our options are there. Um, and also, I mean, we really need to um, investigate uh, critically, uh, you know, how our fuel um, economy is working. Um, the fact that a number uh, of the, the companies do have really large uh, uh, amounts of oil uh, saved up um, in Dublin port and yet still we saw huge price rises during the week when really realistically from what I could tell from today's papers that shouldn't really have been happening when there was that level of oil uh, etc uh, being saved at Dublin port. Uh, they, we should have been cushioned from that 
Um, so I think there's some crit- very critical analysis have to, has to be looked on in there's relation an, to the fuel. There's an interesting proposal in the mail. I think it's from um, one of the panel shows yesterday between uh, Eamon Ryan and Louise O'Reilly. And it was brought up the idea that you get rid of um, trans- public transport fees. So that would, number one, like, like what are you going to do? You're going to take a bus if it's going to be free, aren't you? Rather than drive your car somewhere or get the train. And uh, now Eamon Ryan seems to have, uh, mm. he's not open to that idea just yet. But that seems like an interesting measure that could help with. If there's public transport available. Well, exactly. Because the people who are paying most for their petrol and diesel are the ones in rural Ireland mm. who have the longer drives yeah. and who don't have the option mm. of yeah. that public transport. And it's impacting haulage, it's impacting farmers with the with the diesel that they use, all of that. So, I mean, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of commentary in today's papers around the unforeseen consequences of a war like this um, at the edge of Europe and the that how the everyday random individual uh, in rural Ireland is going to be impacted by this. And it's not going to be just this week and next week. It's going to be for months to come. And obviously we're, you know, Pascal Donoghue um, and, and Simon Coveney and others are, are, you know, very much at the forefront of having conversations at the European level about this. Yeah. But this is this is going to trickle down um for a long time to come. Okay, well, let's get more reaction to that front page on the mail uh, that fears pump prices could hit three euro a litre. We're joined by Kevin McPartland there, who's CEO of Fuels for Ireland. Uh, Good morning to you, Kevin, and thanks for taking our call. It is a warning from independent TD, Rona Murphy. It's the headline. A lot of people will see it when they go into their shop this morning. Could we soon be hitting three euro a litre at the pumps? I I just need to begin, Shane, by challenging some of the things that have already been said. So just as we had, you know, experts in medical science and public health in COVID, and we have experts in military strategies who know exactly how to handle Putin. We have people who are experts in, in oil fuel supply. You're, one of your speakers just said that we, we have weeks of stock held in Dublin port. That is absolutely untrue. There is never weeks of stock held in commercial stock. We do, as a country, hold strategic stock, which is for an emergency situation if we ever have... Um, a lack of fuel on the island, that's 90 days, which is held by government and cannot be released without uh, an order from the minister. What commercial companies have in stock at any given time is a matter of a couple of days. That's the truth. That was the situation we were in last week. Right. So, so these are the sort of things that we have to knock out. And that's the problem that, that, that we've had this week. We've had ministers talking about, uh, for example, um, an excise duty cut of 15 and 20 cent on, on petrol and diesel uh, which was inaccurate because the actual excise cut was 12.2 cent on on uh, diesel, and it was uh, about 26 cent on on petrol. Oh, sorry, uh, um, uh, about 16 cent on on petrol, and that was because they were also factoring in the VAT that they were going to charge on the tax anyway. So we have to actually start having informed debate. And to come back to the question that you 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 did ask me, and forgive me for taking so long to come back to it. Could we see a, a, a three-euro um, uh, pump price? I, I really don't know. And anybody who tells you that they do is misleading you because, you know, we are in entirely unprecedented times. And what those, what those times involve are a dip in the supply of fuel because Russia supplies about 10% of all of the world's oil, uh, oil uh, supplies. In addition to that, you have an increase in demand because when people... Uh, took themselves out of contracts with Russian suppliers when they ceased doing business with with Russia. The people who hurt most were the countries in Europe that had 40% of their gas coming in from Russia. And there are some countries that have up to 80% of their total energy coming in from Russia. 
So they had to find other ways of generating their electricity, and some of them moved to oil. So you have a dip in supply, an increase in demand, and that has sent prices all over the place. Right. So what, what do we need to watch, Kevin? No longer valid. Yeah, this is what if I want to ask you. What do we need to watch here? Do we watch the price of a barrel of oil? Is that how we'll know it's hitting three euro? Under normal circumstances, if you look at the, the cost of, of, of a barrel of crude, you can roughly say that that will have an impact on the price of the pump price that you yeah. and I pay in, in maybe three weeks' time. That is just not true anymore. The wholesale prices are fluctuating by, by, by 20 or 30 cent a day on occasions this week. And that's the situation that we've been dealing with. So if we just think, but, but if you take, a, take a, a longer period, rather than talk about fluctuations within a day, from the day that Russia invaded Ukraine to the day that the ministers announced an excise duty cut of 15 and 20 cents, they were offering a 15 uh, cent discount on, on or, or reduction in the price of diesel. Yeah. In that time, wholesale diesel had gone up 45 cent. Then you add the VAT on top of that. So that was 55 cent. So, so government was talking about an excise reduction of 12 and a half cent and then the, adding the VAT to make 15 well, we'd actually carried an increase of 55 cents. That's the situation that's going on right now. And instead of people, you know, coming out with opinion, we need information. And that's hard information for you. OK, but a lot of that, I suppose, is for you guys to sort out because we're not the, the fuel experts, the oil experts. What will make it not be three euro a litre is, what, cut the vat totally on this? I think you will find that, 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 that there is a period in which supply routes are having to be rejigged because European... Um, markets were reliant on, on Russian oil and gas, but I want to think about oil, okay? So people who were buying in from Russia and, and were shipping in on Russian vessels and now have been sourcing from elsewhere and are bringing new deliveries in. Well, those deliveries take four to six weeks to come in. So I think we have another four to six weeks of quite volatile situation. After that, when the supply chains are, are embedded and we know where we're getting everything from, we know when it's coming in, that should calm pressure on supply down. Now, the price is something which is beyond anybody's control within Ireland, except for the element, which is that, uh, which is tax, you know, all those different elements. And if you, if you look at what the situation is now, because VAT is applied on the final pump price, this, this month, as opposed to a comparable month 12 months ago, the government is making 40 to 45 million extra in VAT, even after the excise duty cut, they're making an extra 40 to 45 million from Irish motorists every Sorry, month. Kevin, um, Philip here. Uh, could I, I, could I just ask you about, the, like, obviously the, pr- the price of the barrels has gone up and uh, the price of the, the tanks has gone up and for motorists. How, how is it impacting on the profits of the, the companies? Well, as an industry association, I don't get into the commercial uh, side of, 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 of the members' operations. And I can't really discuss that in any detail. What I can you tell must you have an overview of it, though. I can tell you that during this week, at the time that you know, we were accused of price gouging, people were selling diesel at loss. Oh, I think his phone's at batteries after dying there. Oh, uh, uh, oh you're still there. Sorry, oh, yeah, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, p- p- people were selling diesel at a loss this week at the same time that we were being accused of price gouging. So, that, so they were losing, so just to be clear, for, every, for when someone was going to the pump, filling up, the petrol station was losing money when they were doing that. I want to be clear, and I'm not saying that everybody was, and I'm not saying that it was happening every day, but there were occasions this week when people were selling at a loss on diesel. How many occasions? I'm sorry? How many occasions? I couldn't tell you because, because independent retailers set their own prices. 
So this um, wouldn't be the big retailers. You're talking about like a, a smaller. I am aware that some of some of the some of the larger chains were, were, were selling at a loss at different occasions this week. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, well, we wait and see. There's no definitive on whether it will be three euro a litre or not, uh, but it sounds like they're only going one way, really, doesn't it, Philip, there from listening to him, if it's this going to be volatile for four to six weeks? Yeah, it's extraordinary to hear that, given the prices that the, the companies are actually making a loss as well. That's that's very hard to believe. You can only take people under word, though. And, uh, yeah, if, if that is the case, look, yeah. business is business as well, and the, the, you have to make your money. That's the, the point of it. The, these oil companies aren't set up as charities. Sheena, on, on to uh, other topics to do with the, the crisis in Ukraine. Was there anything that jumped out on you in the papers? I suppose the refugee situation is something that's at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And uh, in the Sunday Independent, we were told that Michal Martin had a warning to Boris Johnson. He's not going to lecture him about refugees. Yeah, I wish he would, though. Not that it would m- maybe make much difference. But like, I think, what is it? The UK has, just agree- has only agreed to take in a thousand so far. Um I think I read that somewhere, and we're we're talking about numbers in the region of hundred thousand to come into the Republic of Ireland. Saw a pop up on the news there as well. They're going to give uh, people three hundred and fifty euros a month if yeah. they take someone in. In, that, the that in the UK, it'd be three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, pounds they're, they're paying month, them yeah. for that. Yeah, they are. Um, but this but issue, yeah, it, of the, it, this is a massive because the comparison this week has been Ireland versus UK on this. Yeah. And I think that's the wrong conversation to be having, I think, in many ways as well. I mean, I think I think for a lot of people this week, obviously, there is so much goodwill um, from the Irish people. We've seen it. Obviously, we were, you know, we were we've seen it from from the Late Late Show during the week. Uh, Three million raised or, or something to the tune of that. Um, but I, I think that the scale of this crisis, though, in terms of the refugees entering um, EU borders is, I think, unprecedented. Um and, but I think we need to obviously reflect on the fact that we are treating these, um, you know, these 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 people um, differently to the way we've treated people from Syria or Yemen or, or many other countries um, that that are experiencing wartime conflict as well and have had invasions. And so as much as, you know, there was heartwarming imagery of Minister Helen McEntee, you know, greeting people at the, the set up um, in Dublin Airport and, you know, the state, uh, the structures of the state kind of jumping in to sort out PPS numbers and all of that. And that's to be welcomed. Uh, I, I would I'm 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 surprised, of course, that or am I that, uh, you know, we couldn't do the same for many others coming into the state over the last number of years. And people are sitting in direct provision without the same supports. Philip, um, there's going to be pressure on politicians to take in Ukrainian refugees or offer, offer it. I know the Taoiseach was actually on the BBC this morning and he has said that he will consider taking in refugees. Is that something that, that TDs and ministers in particular are going to be asked a lot about? Well, what are, what are you doing specifically? Yeah. Are you going to open up a spare room? The Irish Independent did just that uh, last week and we asked uh, all the, the cabinets which, who would... Um, taken a refugee or, or examined a proposal to use one of their rooms and um, none of them got back to us <laughs> to say they would but uh, I know that Eamon Ryan has publicly said he'd look into it I know that Justice Minister Helen McEntee has said she would look into yeah, it Yeah she was on News Talk during the weekend uh, yeah. said that she, but, but it is a conversation you have to have at home It is It's not just a glib answer you give to a newspaper or no, to a reporter There's practicalities there are, of it yeah. as well you know like if you have a room who are you getting in like a lot of people leaving are obviously um, A lot of TDs our landlords too will there be pressure to say well hold on you're a landlord would you not give up that property but then what are you going to do kick out the tenant you can't do that really can you um, 
So it's but more, all, all of this is very piecemeal, though, isn't it? If you have a holiday home, though, now, that's a different. If you have a holiday home, which yeah, the like we, we need things at scale. Too. Like we're talking about a hundred thousand people coming into the country, whether it's temp, for te- for temporary residents or permanent residents in some regard. This isn't just uh, what TDs are going to take people into their own homes, as Kieran Cannon, I think, did. Um, you know, for um, uh, people fleeing, uh, family uh, fleeing Afghanistan. But like, I think we do need. We, we, there is a huge conversation now to be had around the scale of this and how we are going to support these people not just in housing but in everything else yeah. uh, in the coming in the coming months and years indeed Okay well I should say that after 12 we'll be going to the Polish-Ukraine border to talk about this attack that was launched overnight the closest to NATO territory of course because Poland is a member of NATO very very close to the border there and we'll have more from that after 12 but we'll take a break and on the way we'll be chatting about what the papers are saying about the state of the political parties now, uh, our panel, by the way, still here to look through the papers this morning. Sheena Kyle, Public Affairs and Communications Manager with Goshka, the President's Award, and Philip Ryan, Political Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Our last interview with Kevin McPartland of Fuels for Ireland, certainly getting a lot of reaction on the notion that we could be paying €3 Euro a litre soon at the pumps. Uh, Jack and Terry, your text in to say, I filled my two-litre car during the week. It cost €130. Euro. If fuel goes to €3 Euro a litre, that will be 200 to fill. Uh, Barry in Dublin says poor old rural Ireland will you stop they pay a thousand euro per month less for their mortgage or rent than their urban cousins uh, and someone else texts in to say what about Providence offshore sh- offshore site I have to be careful the way I say that um, but uh, they, this lister says that it's being slowed down by red tape they believe and someone else says pump prices go up minutes after the price of crude oil goes up but when the price does go down the industry says it takes weeks for that to filter through the supply chain when we see that sort of profiteering it's very hard not to feel ripped off you can text us 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or on twitter you can use the hashtag on the record nt now let's move on to other stories in the papers this morning philip the what paper is it it is the opinion poll which is on the sunday (coughs) times and we are told that Fine Gael edging past Fianna Fáil but it doesn't really matter because Sinn Féin is still way ahead yeah, Dave, I think Fine Gael will take a little bit of solace in this, though. A um, bit of good news in the polls for it's It's been kind of a downward track for them over uh, recent months and weeks. And they're up 20, 220, up four points, 224. But that still leaves them um, nine behind Sinn Féin, who are on 33. And they're one ahead of Fianna Fáil on 23, who are down two as well. But uh, it, it, like the poll was taken this week, or um, in conducted between February 24th and last Tuesday. So it's it's hard to know um, what was done at that time exactly by Fine Gael. There was, a, I suppose, there was the the introduction of the, the cost of living measures that uh, did this new rebate. But it, it's, I, I wonder why Fine Gael would, sub, uh, to get that specifically themselves, you could possibly tie in some of the, the, the performances from Simon Coveney around the war, um, Ukraine, Ireland's response. They've obviously been to the forefront on that. But otherwise, yeah, it's a, it's an unusual one. It's a strange fluctuation at this present time. Um, Sheena, they also asked people in that poll for the Sunday Times their views on the party leaders. Uh, and there's bad news for every party leader apart from Eamon Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. So what's the story with him? Um, it, well, it's actually hard to know, um, to be honest. But I, I do think that the uh, this particular poll was taken before uh, Eamon's comments around slowing down to kind of save 
save petrol and, yeah, and, and it cost. was the day before yeah which didn't go down particularly well I think with a lot of people despite though I think some some decent enough coverage I think around the the fact that it does actually work to some extent <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're on a, a road that allows I think, you to go I think above it was the timing gig. of that that put people <laughs> off yeah. more because it yeah. is quite obvious that if you slow down you, you consume less fuel the way it's burned it was probably just the, the timing of it the timing when people was, were so worried off, probably. Yeah? Um, but yeah I, so I can't tell you um, any deep political analysis around why I think Amy and Ryan might have been up where other leaders fell down a little bit though I suppose one thing I did did strike me about the poll was that you know as it was taken in terms of that timing of it being taken so it was beginning of the the Russian invasion of Ukraine um, I think that's interesting um, when you look at the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil in particular they're um, they're, they're not dropping or uh, gaining a huge amount obviously plus four for Fine Gael but I would tie that in potentially and, and and Philip's already referenced it to, I suppose, that kind of maybe that leadership or that stability um, that some of those um, civil warrior parties maybe give off. Um, uh, there's a there's an article by John Lee uh, in the, the Mail on Sunday today uh, um, around, I suppose, just kind of tracking a little bit about how the war uh, and the responses to it might impact, uh, you know, how people see the likes of Micheál Martin and Mary Lou. And he kind of points to this idea that, you know, it's very rare, actually, when um, when there is a state of chaos uh, in the world or in a state that there is any dramatic swings away from kind of, I suppose, what so-called stable political <clears throat> centre parties. Um, so John's kind of making the point there that he, I suppose, would question whether Sinn Féin will make huge gains around the war because obviously there will be more opportunity for this, the current ministers and the current government to, I suppose, show uh, their their leadership in mm. those areas. So and I suppose from that perspective with the poll, I'm not surprised that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil kind of I'm remained always, largely the same. The one I'm always reminded of, though, is Winston Churchill after World War Two and after D-Day. The next election after that, the Tories got kicked out of office. Yeah. So, so you like, no matter what you do, you... The, the electoral the electorate is fickle. It is there's a there's you can see this there's a theme there's an opportunity here for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael spokespeople though to really get a dig into Sinn Féin about their approach or stance on Russia. Michal yeah. Martin has been saying this quite a lot. It's covered in the mail again today. Sinn Féin is soft on Russia, launching this blistering attack on Sinn Féin. Is that going to continue? Look, the, it's a it's a tricky one for Sinn Féin because they obviously, their, their views on both Russia and Europe, don't forget this is a party that has regularly voted against any EU treaties and, and didn't want Ireland as closely aligned to the European Union as we are today and would have fought against almost every every time um, there was any type of um, uh, uh, treaties or pacts or things that we needed to vote on referendum-wise. They were always opposed. Um, it was only in the, the aftermath of Brexit suddenly um, they had a newfound fondness of Europe. And with Russia as well, they have made some extraordinary statements over recent years, specifically around when we were expelling um, diplomats from here following the, the poisoning of in the UK. That was a big news event at the time. Sinn Féin were completely against it. They, they said we shouldn't be expelling um, Russians. They've also taken very strong views against NATO and they've been opposed to NATO. Like we're not part of NATO, they, but they wanted NATO broken up. They don't want it to exist anymore. 
Um, and the, the, the culmination of all this, the, because they're clearly embarrassed themselves of these stances that they've taken over the years and, and realised that maybe they aren't the, the popular stances that they would have thought they, they were. And uh, Hugh O'Connell in the Sunday Independent um, has done a bit of a, a deep dive and found out that they've been deleting all their um, statements on these things from their website, Sinn Féin. Um, all, the, all statements up until 2019, I think, is, is, is all that's left. So they, they would, uh, all political parties do this, they obviously send in press releases but they stick it up on the website too yeah, statements there. from representatives yeah. uh, usually they're not deleted is that right? Well it, it, for the most part because the other parties seem to have been asked here as well and, and they have Fine Gael have stuff going back to 2013 um, Green Party 2018 Labour 2016 there's Fianna Fáil here they get, Fianna Fáil goes all the way back to 2011 um, so it, but, but it's clear that the, a lot of these statements have been brought up to Sinn Féin in recent, in we, recent weeks because of their they're, they're, what, what Michal Martin is calling their soft stance on, on yeah. Russia. Is it not good housekeeping to do this? Because I, I know that journalists, and not so much on a website, but on social media, some journalists will spend a day or two going through every single tweet made by a politician or a celebrity or whatever, and sometimes you'll see, oh, 10 years ago, someone said something about yeah. something. Is this not good housekeeping by Sinn well, Féin no, to do this? But I think you can't be covering up your history. Like, if this is your stances and this is who you've you've portrayed yourself to the public for many many years and, and this is your stance of being anti-European Union um, uh, light touch let's say on Russia and anti-NATO if that has been your stance like stand over it or at least explain why you are shifting your stance rather than trying to, to fool people and thinking oh we never thought like that and like the stuff about going into people's uh, Twitter accounts and finding out what they've written in the past can be very enlightening about people who present themselves one way in this day and age in, in the cold light of 2022 and what they may have been when they were uh, mm. a couple of years back but if Sinn Féin made these media statements mm. uh, sent in these press releases and it was covered people will remember it or you can Google it. It's just one aspect on their website, but you can still find out Sinn Fein's response to these uh, things. No, well, no, not necessarily because like the, the, a lot of those, a lot of those press releases just don't get coverage right. because they just put them up there. They're trying to tap into whatever they saw at the moment. They're quite in a lot of their policy development. It, it can be quite reactionary. You know, everything's on the cuff. Whatever's in the news of that day, we've seen it uh, with the with the fuel stuff. It's a very similar approach to that. They think it's torture, of course, um, as Justin McCarthy pointed out. So it it, it is just. It, it, the, the nature of their, their party is kind of, it's a populist party um, I think they are unashamedly so but it just means that a lot of their policies um, are quite reactionary right. and they aren't Sheena just not a po- Phillip, Philip says populist party they're certainly a popular party they when are you look a popular at the party poll. Yeah. I'm just wondering if people you know when politicians start calling to the door do they worry about Sinn Féin's stance on NATO or Russia or is it always going to be your things like your housing healthcare education well I see I, I think the 2024 for uh, European Parliament elections are going to be an interesting, I suppose, nearly referendum on our general election in many ways about whether that there are the issues that people really care about, the, you know, our positioning around, I suppose, the, the global affairs around NATO, around Ukraine, around responses from the European Union, whether that's really uh, what's, I suppose, a priority for people or, as Sinn Féin does very well, uh, the very on the ground issues around inflation and cost of living, uh, which is probably where they'll focus. So, I mean, look at the the timing of that uh, wiping out of old uh, old backlog uh, of of press releases is interesting 
it's notable. Um, it you know it's not necessarily. I'm not. I wouldn't accuse uh, them. I suppose of a cover up necessarily, but it does mark a change in their stance and their positioning around uh, around NATO and around Russia, which I think again is notable. Um, but I think what they'll do then is probably focus on the cost of living issues and what the government's well, response it'd be, it'd, is it'd, to it'd it. To be more honest, to 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 say you're kind of transitioning let's say, from one approach to the other rather than just kind of sweeping it all under the carpet and going, oh, no, look, we're all big fans of EU and NATO. And OK, just back to that uh, opinion poll again on the front of the Sunday Times. If you do the maths on it, the coalition would be over 50%, which we've seen in yeah. other polls as well. Some people will, will take that. I mean, obviously, people will go Sinn Féin, most popular party. It's always the case mm. in the opinion polls. But if you look at the other side of it and do the polls, the government as is, is over 50%. Yeah, I'd be always reluctant to second guess the Irish electorate because they always think of ways to throw a... Um, to, to change things up, mix things up just before elections. But yeah, look, it, it, that has been... Um, it, it, it's been that case for, for many, many polls. And like you say, that's over 50%, which is a, a high number going into an election. And um, the problem would be in some of these elections because of the nature of our political our electoral system, the single transferable vote that, that some of those people can you can cancel each other out, if you, especially if you have some sort of pact in, in place. So it, it's hard to know. But if you come back with those type of figures after the next election, you, you, you can sure be sure that the, the next government will be just the same as this one. Um, just to ask you, Sheena was mentioning it as well, Eamon Ryan, the only political party leader to get an increase uh, mm. in popularity or in support. What's Eamon Ryan doing right? Well, like, he is leading the charge in a lot of the ways on the 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 cost of living stuff so that's a lot of the things that the money being spent is out of his department the the the, the credit the, the, the on your electricity bill that's coming from the department of transport and uh, climate action so that's possibly it he's he's been very much out and for, to the fore as well he hasn't been hiding away he's on every single show and he's on, on TV and radio all the time so there, there could be an element of that but at the same time it is it's only up at eight, one point and the margin of error in this poll is 3. Point three points so you speak to a very pro-green person uh, who you're polling and that would do well for him yeah this is the thing yeah yeah okay right well we've lots more still to come here on on the record we'll be looking at our panel will be staying with us we'll be looking at what else is making the sunday papers this morning and you're listening to On The Record here on News Talk for your Sunday morning with me, Shane Beatty, in for Gavin Riley. I hope you're well. Our panel's still here with us to go through the papers. Just to bring you a couple of uh, texts that re- uh, reached us, though. Government parties over 50%. Am I the only one who thinks that's good going? Well, Philip Ryan did address that. Also, someone says the reality is majority of house owners vote Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, and majority of the renters or people struggling to buy a home, which is a large and growing number, will vote Sinn Féin. We have to have change, not being able to afford a home is a life-defining issue which is trumped by little and uh, another listener text in to say every party changes their stance on things I think it's unfair to pinpoint Sinn Féin on this 53106 at a cost of 30 cent if you would like to get in touch with us this morning uh, the news this morning of course is that there's been an attack very very close to the border with Poland outside Lviv in Ukraine and uh, already there are warnings that this is a significant escalation there and obviously there are warnings about the city of Kiev as well. But just to go back to the Ukrainian-Russian crisis, uh, Sheena, you were looking at something different, Mm. which is in the Sunday Times, the glossy magazines in Ukraine and how they've changed 
what type of things they write about. Yeah, the media editor for the Sunday Times, Rosamond uh, Irwin, has a piece entitled Hold a Gun Without Chipping Your Nails, Glossy Mags Pivot to War. And, and it just starts off with indicating that the Ukrainian edition of Marie Claire, uh, which, is a, which is a women's magazine or a fashion magazine indeed, um, is instructing its readers how to give birth in a war zone, treat radioactive infections, remove acrylic nails so they can better hold a weapon and maintain a healthy diet despite empty supermarket shelves. So I suppose it's not just Marie Claire, um, Elle magazine, Vogue and a number of others um, that have, um, you know, publications in uh, Ukraine have re- have had to stop uh, and cease production um, of a physical copy of their magazine. But one look at any of their websites, you know, it would be impossible to miss um, yeah. the fact that they're responding to what is what is a war on the ground, obviously. And look at their they, they've talked about, you know, that they have some elements of celebrity news. They still talk about, I suppose, fashion, uh, but it's all now with a swing towards and responding to the needs of women and readers uh, on the ground mm. there. Um, but these are these fascinating. Are, <clears throat> these are fashion journalists yeah. who yeah. three weeks ago were writing about how to perfect a smoky eye. Exactly. And what sort of skirt to wear who are now having to write about war. Yeah, and there's editors um, of some, an editor of chi- in chief of one of the uh, one of the magazines, Irina uh, Tatarenko. She's actually, after joining uh, some of the defence forces and uh, herself, um, they're, you know, they're using their fashion photographers now to kind of take pictures of weaving camouflage nets and all this kind of stuff and trying to, I suppose, speak to a particular audience there, maybe not usually an audience that is want, wanting to consume current affairs in their magazine magazine, but instead, I suppose, switching all those horoscopes and all of those things that you would normally get in a magazine like this. But now it's responding to yeah. the well, war the on the ground. War, are you really reaching for a Vogue magazine? Or a um, well, well no. look, at, I think that, you know, no more than anything else, I mean, we've seen stories since, you know, since this started of where life has tried to continue uh, despite uh, what's going on, bombs being dropped around you and, you know, n- no more than women giving birth in maternity units and uh, underneath, you know, in, in rooms underneath uh, apartment blocks. Uh, you know, people who are there who may have access to uh, internet still need some kind of entertainment if you're stuck with uh, with other people. So what you want is that entertainment uh, to respond yeah. to your need. And so, yeah, I think it's it may, it may appear to some as being very lighthearted and not necessary. But I think I think it's an important gesture uh, from yeah. from those magazines. Apparently the horoscopes in the glossy mag- mags try and predict when the invasion will end. I mean, it's just bizarre really? yeah. to think in 2022 <laughs> that you've articles about how not to break a nail while, while trying to defend your country. It is incredible. Interesting news meetings. Wonder. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, COVID, our good friend COVID is still obviously in the papers. Luke O'Neill writing about it in today's Sunday Independent as well. Not too much coverage of COVID not in the papers. Not too much, but Luke has some good news for us all in the, the headline of his piece is yes, COVID does shrink your brain. Lovely. So this this is a research that uh, was published last week, a major study in the UK, he calls it, uh, scanning people aged between 51 and 81, which I think we're all out of that category, aren't we? Um, which has found that, I'll try this word, or words, is the COVID does impact on the parahippocampus Campbell gyrus. Does that right? Yeah, well which, done. which is uh, <laughs> the part of the brain which connects to your connects your sense, your sense, your your uh, the nerves to your nose, so you can detect things, you, you can smell, and that has COVID has shrunk that 
in by 1.8%, which is enough to stop it working properly. And then even more worryingly is the your cerebellum or the grey matter in your brain that that, that does a lot of work and um, that that's shrunk by 0.8% it found in this study which can have a significant impact as and well. And this is coming from Luke O'Neill who's obviously usually the optimist usually as well. Usually positive. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, yeah. go back. Um, yeah. I, look, there might not be much coverage necessarily in the papers but it, it the coverage is on like in the people. I mean, the place is pure riddled with COVID at the minute. Like every every second post on yeah. Instagram is someone putting up an anti, a positive antigen test. Um, and that's obviously, um, you know, I don't think anyone's majorly surprised but I think the impact of COVID uh, obviously still still very much being felt in our hospital system, not just in wider society and in the community. ICUs might, may not be seeing it, but there's still huge waiting lists and issues from the last two years uh, that the hospital uh, system is 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 you know being shoved under. Um, so I think that's it's very much there's, a, there's still a very high cost to this. Yeah, I feel like the only person in the country who hasn't had COVID yet because there's just so many. I know you both had it recently, recently as mm. well. And you, yeah, you are seeing a lot of people, but we are seeing life get back to normal. I know you were at a gig last night I was, as well. I was at Pillow Queens in the Button Factory and Surreal it was absolutely unreal. Surreal experience though, I would say. It was, it was really weird. And I was in Walsh's and Stony Batter to watch the match yesterday. And it was my first time back in a pub completely jammed the, you know, pints of Guinness flowing mm. and... I was only up the road in the glimmer, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> And, the, you know, the lads shouting at them, uh, you know, all sorts of curses flying at the match <laughs> yesterday. And it was, do you know what? It was lovely, but a little bit mm. overwhelming. Yeah. And I had to, you know, I had to, you know, you have to ease yourself back into this stuff. I did see someone tweet a, a video of uh, the underground train station close to Twickenham where all the Irish fans were singing and very jovial and all of that. But they were so, so close to each other and it's an image a year or two ago that we, we wouldn't have seen the rugby as well I'm sure there's lots of reaction in the papers to that oh yeah it's wall to wall coverage of the, the match yesterday it was a great match and it was it was it was end to end in, in, in some regards but it was it was far through at the end like there was there was that period just going into half time when it was all things even at that stage and it felt like it could go anyway but then they just really stepped it up it was fun half. to watch too yeah. wasn't it and it's always it's great fun to beat, to beat England, England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean the mood, the mood across the water wouldn't be great this morning because of no. that red card within the yeah. first two minutes that yeah. has really did change the entire game as well what mm. did you make of all the people who were giving out about Ireland's performance on social media sort of saying great that we won but you know there are a lot of concerns watching the Irish team do you think we should just take an English win whenever we can get it I will go away just enjoy, yeah, enjoy, yeah, enjoy it's not at wins. all I mean no, <laughs> no I wouldn't be on that side at all now I, I was just delighted with the game really enjoyed watching it and just the I mean the Johnny Sexton just like was was knocked to the ground at one point and the whole pub just made a noise <laughs> and I think that's the kind of thing that we've all just been desperately needing so I'm not yeah. going to add any sports analysis to this because yeah. I would be struck down immediately if I had any opinion <laughs> Have you any sports analysis John, No I don't think it isn't my uh, sport of choice I have to say I got watching it but. On that point Sheena was making there just before we go talking about watching the, the crowds or being at gigs or things like that I suppose we should remember those who feel uncomfortable or feel that it is a bit overwhelming when we get back to normal that they still have that sort of reticence or reluctance about yeah, it Yeah like I think in the in the first couple of weeks especially when the mask um, mandate dropped like there was people every time you walked into a shop it seemed to be everybody was still wearing a mask and on the Lewis and things like that but the last week or so it's gone like people just aren't wearing them it doesn't seem Yeah like I do have um, quite a lot of friends who um, have like stuff going on health wise and they're 
like they have to go onto public transport. They have to go and do their groceries and they are more worried. Um, and that voice is kind of being lost in a lot of the jubilance around obviously the dropping of the mask mandate, um, which obviously is is welcome. But I think there are certain spaces that I think it would be it would be very sound of you to just keep wearing your mask in some of those locations where people have to go and you don't know what anybody else is experiencing health-wise and I think we just have to be conscious of that. Okay, very good. Well, listen, thank you both uh, for joining me. That is Sheena Cahill there. Uh, thank you for giving up your time after the Pillow Queens last night as well because maybe you should be hugging your own pillow this morning but instead you were here. Thank you very much, Sheena Cahill there from the President's Award, Goshka, and also to Philip Ryan, political editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent who was tucked up in bed nice and early for us this morning. Thank you both for joining us. We'll have lots more to come here on On The Record. Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. DNC's apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details.